Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I can look out my window right now and see that reality, you know, and I grew up with, around that reality. The reality Ayala Gizau is talking about here is homelessness. He lives across the street from the Fox Theater in Oakland. When he looks out the window, he can see what could have happened to him. People living on the street. We've all seen the really awful conditions. It's a tragic, frustrating problem that's been with us for decades. For many, it's become a defining characteristic of San Francisco, and it makes them feel uncomfortable and unsafe. You've heard the stats. The most recent rough count measuring the number of people on the street or in shelters on a given night showed nearly 7,800 people in San Francisco alone. That number has remained relatively steady. Gazaud, he's an independent consultant with a background in computer science who ran into hard times in the pandemic. I don't believe I would have ended up on the streets just because just a blessed situation. I found myself with family and friends that I have. So I definitely would have, you know, been on someone's, you know, couch or something, but still. Ayala Gazao did not end up losing his housing. He researched his options and ultimately found the nonprofit Bay Area Community Services, which helped him access rent relief. So why am I talking about a guy who's not homeless? Because we'll never be able to get ahead of this problem unless we prevent people from becoming homeless. When I was running Hamilton Families, one of the realities that we ran up against, and we've run this data across the the region, for every family that I would house, three more would become homeless during the same period of time. This is Tamika Moss, CEO of the nonprofit All Home, which works on regional strategies to address and end homelessness. She's had high-level positions at other nonprofits, like San Francisco's Hamilton Families, and in city governments. So we have to be looking up a bit upstream and figuring out what, in fact, can we do to um, have sort of a a data-informed and evidence-based targeting to people who are most at risk of homelessness. If you were about to be homeless, one thing led to another, led to another, and now things have gotten really dire, would you know where to go for help? I'm Laura Wenis. This week's fix getting ahead of the game on homelessness and stopping people from ending up on the street in the first place. From the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, this is Fixing Our City. If I'm at my house making dinner and I cut my hand open, I know to go to an urgent clinic or to go to the emergency room. That's Gail Gilman, All Homes Chief Strategy Officer. We should have a similar system that when I receive that eviction notice... Or if my landlord is telling me or my auntie that I can't stay with them because I can't pay rent anymore, that I can go to a one-stop shop almost the same way as an, you know, an employment center to receive support and help. And sometimes those interventions are far less expensive than when I, if I lose my housing and end up on the streets. As Moss and Gilman say, displacement and homelessness are both driven by the widening gap between what people earn and how much housing costs. You can't have a one-bedroom apartment going for over $3,500 a month in a city and county where 
the average household income for African-American folks in San Francisco is $30,000 a year. If you're like me and can't do math that fast, $30,000 a year is $2,500 a month. So when you talk about the racial disparities that exist within the people who are experiencing homelessness and housing insecurity, those types of gaps make it really difficult for people to actually first get into housing. You have communities like where I'm from in Cleveland, where poverty is much higher, but you don't have homelessness in the way that San Francisco has because they have a lot of low income housing. Talk to almost anyone doing the work of addressing homelessness and they, like Moss and Gilman, will likely trace the roots of the problem back to housing affordability. Another big, intractable problem decades in the making. San Francisco has always had these challenges. I'm embarrassed to say that I've been working on these issues in San Francisco since the early 1990s. The number of people who are experiencing homelessness fluctuates. In San Francisco, the number I talked about earlier, about 7,800 people in shelters or out in the street, is actually down from the last count in 2019, with more people sheltered than in previous years. But it's still an increase compared to the count before, in 2016. And this is still a much smaller number than how many experienced homelessness at some point in 2020, according to city data. That's closer to 19,000. Now, imagine the frustration of getting one person housed and having three more end up homeless, like Moss was describing. And add on to that... It's really expensive and complicated to help people get back inside once they've become unsheltered. It's easier to keep them housed in the first place. Case in point, All Home has put together a plan for reducing unsheltered homelessness in the Bay Area by 75% by 2024. It would cost at least $6 billion. And that's to say nothing of the impacts of homelessness on the individuals who go through it. So it stands to reason that municipalities would be smart to invest in prevention. This is an area where Bay Area cities are developing their approaches. Oakland launched Keep Oakland Housed in 2018. It was a pilot program through the philanthropic San Francisco Foundation to try out a preventive approach. Three years later, the nonprofit Bay Area Community Services has taken charge of the program. Keep Oakland Housed offers rental and financial assistance, legal aid, and other support services. San Francisco has had preventive services available for a while, including things like having a right to counsel, which is legal representation if you're facing eviction. But in the fiscal year ending right now, the city really invested heavily in targeted prevention services using a local and regional model. That's because funds from a 2018 ballot measure started coming in, throwing real money behind things like the city's rental assistance program, problem-solving services the city has offered for a while, and flexible financial help. That's key. To prevent homelessness, you have to be adaptable and nimble. Here's Tamika Moss. Our public systems are not known for their adaptability or nimbleism. She was once chief of staff for Oakland's Mayor Libby Schaff, who had this to say about the value of prevention. What is more horrific than people experiencing even a single night of homelessness? If we can prevent that misery, that harm... And and it's irreparable harm. Every day someone is out on the streets, they're losing their life, their health, their well-being, their dignity. And if you can avoid that, that that has got to be our highest priority. Given that, how do we know someone's at risk? Research and programs like Keep Oakland Housed have shown certain factors correlate with higher chances of ending up homeless rather than just needing to move. For example... 
someone who's been homeless before is much more likely to become homeless again than someone who's been stably housed all their life. Certain zip codes are much more strongly associated with leading to homelessness than others. And we also found that, you know, if you restricted your program to people who were tenants, who actually held a lease, you were missing the people who were most vulnerable of all. People who weren't tenants anymore. They were couch surfing. They were staying with family and friends. They were in and out of their car, hotels. Those are the people who were most at risk of becoming immediately homeless. And they so often were falling through the cracks because most programs required you to be a tenant facing an eviction. And remember we said the key is adaptability and flexibility? Under this program, there is the option to get legal representation if you're facing eviction and similar tried and true aid. But sometimes it takes a little bit of digging to figure out the real key to stabilizing a household. One of the first families that came to Keep Oakland Housed was an adult uh, but developmentally disabled man who was the sole caretaker of his very elderly mother. They were a household, not a traditional one, but a household. And he had been able to keep them housed by working, but he had lost his job. They fell behind on the rent. They fell behind on their utility bills. They were facing an eviction. Keep Oakland Housed case managers figured out what had happened. The family's washing machine had broken. The son, for whom laundromats aren't accessible, couldn't keep his uniform clean, and that cost him his job. So Keep Oakland Housed bought them a new washing machine. Now, I don't know of any government program for washing machines, but that's what this family needed. And, you know, if all you do is give people a lawyer and a rent check, you're going to miss a whole lot. And that's where government programs so often fall short. They can be rigid, complex, ineffective. You know, I, I run government. I love government. I hate government. That, that washing machine story just illustrates how stupid government can be. And in this case, it illustrates how, what you can do when you're flexible and, yes. and when you adapt. Yes. And, and even the city is subjected to the bureaucracies of the state and the federal government, like hold us accountable for outcomes, but give us the flexibility to meet people where they are, to give them that dignity. It makes sense. And it's so much more effective. Governments also have a higher bar to clear when it comes to public scrutiny of how they spend taxpayer money. Schaff and Moss are both big advocates for public-private partnerships. Fresh or experimental approaches can be painted as reckless uses of public dollars. When the money comes from a private funder, it's easier to finance a proof of concept. San Francisco's mayor, London Breed, wasn't available for an interview about how the city does homelessness prevention when we reached out. But we did hear from the head of the city's homelessness department. And I totally agree with what Allholm says. This needs to be very recognizable to people. We're not there yet. But we'll tell you San Francisco's plan for zeroing in on prevention and getting the word out after a break. To really address homelessness, experts are saying we need to get ahead of the flow of people into poverty and onto the streets. Oakland's initiative to do this is called Keep Oakland Housed. On this side of the bay, San Francisco is also building out its prevention programs now that money from a 2018 ballot measure is coming in. Again, 
It costs less and spares people the horrible experiences of living on the street. Sometimes it takes three to $500 even for people to be able to stay in their home. That's a lot more humane. It's a lot cheaper than that person becoming homeless and then having to come back into the system, into permanent supportive housing, into shelter, that kind of thing. This is Shireen McSpadden, executive director of San Francisco's Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Predicting who exactly is really going to end up homeless rather than needing to, say, move somewhere else or figure out some other way to scrape by is no easy task. Data is key here, but you need a ton of it to make an accurate guess. San Francisco looks at more than 20 different factors to try to get at just how vulnerable to homelessness a person or household is. According to the LA Times, researchers working on this say a really good prediction tool requires at least 50 factors. L.A. County is using a predictive model incorporating about 500 features. McSpadden with the San Francisco Homelessness Department described a few key factors, like zip codes. We know that people who live in the very districts that we would expect, ones where there, there's more poverty, are ones that are more at risk. If people have a current eviction threat, if they've been homeless in the past, if they're older adults or very young families, and Definitely, if people are experiencing poverty, they're much more likely to become homeless. And she highlighted another factor, age. Older adults are the fastest growing segment of the adult homeless population. Many of those people become homeless after the age of 50 for the first time. There are a number of things that happen to people after the age of 50 that just make it very hard, especially if they've lived in kind of on the margins or in poverty. The Homelessness Department also pays close attention when someone's at risk of eviction. And certainly during COVID, you know, there were a number of people who weren't able to pay their rent, but there was a moratorium on evictions. Now we're seeing an increase in the number of people who are at risk of eviction. And that is one of the first places that we look and where the alarm bells ring. Rent assistance is one way city programs can help. But San Francisco, like Oakland, is trying to adapt to every individual's need. We have things like mediation and reunification, housing location assistance, all of the things that we think are necessary for people to either be able to stay where they are, move into someplace new that maybe they didn't know they could find or they couldn't find on their own, you know, or work through a problem that helps them get back in with a family member, that kind of thing. McSpadden and Oakland's mayor agree that we have a ways to go to that well-known, easily accessible one-stop shop envisioned by Gail Gilman of Allhome, who you heard from earlier, the equivalent to urgent care. And I totally agree with what Allhome says. This needs to be very recognizable to people, no matter what their background. And we're not there yet, but that is what we're working toward. And since we're not there yet, San Francisco's prevention approach is trying to flip this around. Rather than making sure people in trouble know to come find you, make sure you know who's about to be in trouble. We work very closely in, like I mentioned, we work very closely in certain neighborhoods with providers who know how to reach communities and who might know people personally. Okay, this person is really struggling. That's, That's our new approach. We're really working with our communities to reach people before they even know sometimes to reach out to us. A lot of people... In San Francisco, who are experiencing poverty, who are people of color, those people who are most likely to become homeless often don't know about the resources. Ayala Gazao, the guy you heard from earlier who lives across from the Fox Theater and was worried he could lose his home, he can attest to the importance of outreach. And even just being 
a professional with degrees or whatever, I still find difficulty, you know, like navigating this. And so I can only imagine like how somebody who may have difficulties or language barriers or things like that, I don't know how they can navigate all this, you know. I didn't see it in a newspaper. It was, this is all word of mouth. If your community, you know, is a certain group that is not privy to this, nobody's talking about it. Like nobody in that community is going to know. You know what I mean? One thing that has really moved the needle on government agencies' flexibility is the pandemic. The regional nonprofit All Home says the emergency made city leaders suddenly consider that certain interventions are possible. Things like housing homeless people in hotels rather than congregate shelters. But All Home CEO Tamika Moss says the federal money that paid for these kinds of things is going to go away eventually. If you look at San Francisco specifically, the access points where people would go if they're experiencing homelessness or about to become homeless. Before like three years ago or so, if you went there uh, needing financial assistance to not lose your housing, there weren't a lot of resources for you. Now, what happened, I think, that accelerated jurisdictions across the region and state to have more resources was the emergency rental assistance program that was funded through federal stimulus dollars to stimulate the economy through COVID. And so we saw a lot more resources become available to meet people where they were. So that's the moment we're in. Those federal dollars are going away. We want to make sure that jurisdictions like San Francisco and other parts of our region have the, the you know, data-informed, evidence-based infrastructure to commit to prevention, leverage the public dollars with the private dollars, and expand that access to everybody across our region. That's the ultimate goal. And we're just at the beginning of that process. A rent relief program is what kept Ayala Gazao, who you heard from at the beginning, from having to couch surf or maybe worse. The statewide pandemic relief program ended, but San Francisco and Oakland both have different independent programs for help with rent. Looking a little down the road, Gilman, All Homes Chief Strategy Officer, says we should use key takeaways from the pandemic to make sure we don't just keep trying the same thing we've always tried or get too focused on one approach. So we need to create more holistic environments for folks. And we need to make sure they're linked to housing options, for whether that's permanent supportive housing, moving to an affordable unit, you and I sharing an apartment together, flexible subsidies. So I think it's, it's making the menu more holistic and then right-sizing all of it through data, through analysis, through looking at inflow to get to your question that in 10 years, we haven't over-prescribed to supportive housing or another intervention that's no longer needed. And they don't just hold the city responsible for clearing red tape to make this happen. They want all of us to think about how we can contribute to a society that doesn't constantly worsen homelessness. This is Moss again, the CEO of All Home. It is a heart-wrenching reality in our city and everywhere that you see humans on our streets suffering and subsequent impacts of that. So I appreciate the empathy and concern that our listeners have, that residents of San Francisco have. But I would challenge folks to really think about what is your role in addressing this crisis and how do you show up 
in supporting housing developments that are being proposed in your community? How do you, as an employer, make sure that you are providing living wages uh, to your employees so that they are not forced into being precariously housed or ending up on our streets? So I would just challenge us all to think about how do we bring that empathy, compassion, and understanding, not just to the people we see, but to the society that exists that is perpetuating some of these challenges that we all want fixed? So San Francisco, Oakland, and other cities are investing in these prevention measures. Since January 2019, San Francisco's Homelessness Department has prevented nearly 2,500 households from becoming homeless. Oakland's program, which launched in 2018, has served more than 6,600 households, though it's not clear how many of those were specifically kept from becoming unhoused. According to Ayala Gazao, whom Oakland kept housed, the challenges are getting the word out, making sure the organizations actually delivering services are adequately funded, and keeping up hope. Just be resilient, you know, lean on your neighbors, do homework, do research. They're difficult, but they're there. There's a lot of opportunities that, you know, that isn't really known. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Fixing Our City. See you next week. Cynthia Lopez produces and reports for Fixing Our City. Gary Baca is our sound engineer. King Kaufman is the executive producer. Jonathan Krim is the SF Next project editor. Fixing Our City is part of the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, exploring how the city will shape its future and tackle its biggest problems. Read stories by our reporters, check out interactive data breakdowns, and find our podcast archive at sfchronicle.com. Next week on Fixing Our City, when it comes to public safety, It really helps to have a police department that has a good relationship with the neighborhoods its officers work in. They really emphasize to these officers that, like, look, you're not there to only sort of enforce. You're there to actually be a part of this community and to get to know folks. The benefits and challenges of community policing. Next on Fixing Our City.